You're listening to the Gambling Gauchos, part of the Stake in the Plains content network and the Dave Campbell's Republic of Football podcast feed. Just a couple of casino caballeros talking Texas Tech, betting on the Big 12 and beyond. Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro live from the Cardinal Sports Center studio. Welcome in to the Gambling Gouchers. I'm Rob Bro. He's Kyle Jacobson live from the Cardinal Sports Center studio. And as the big voice guy told you, thanks to Anthony for updating our open. This is the Republic of Football feed. If you're looking for us, we're on the Republic of Football feed. Go to the wherever you download your podcast and type in Republic of Football. Dave Campbell's Republic of Football. We'll be there. I think in the future we'll probably just upload everything there. We'll see what happens that way. Uh, if you want to gear up for Texas Tech baseball or the upcoming football season, if you have a birthday coming up in the next week, you can go to Cardinals Sports Center, mycardinalsports.com online, or in person right outside the loop on slide road kyle you look great today as always how you doing man as always i love that man thank you you're welcome thank you for that that's the hat i'm I'm doing pretty good yeah do you like the pick i was gonna say we'll get into it that um you know is having more of an impact on how i'm feeling than it probably should but that's that's part of being a diehard sports fan right yeah yeah, I mean, you've had a busy day, so the NFL draft just kind of caps it off. Yep. Uh, shout out to Mrs. Gaucho. Another year old. Yeah, happy, happy uh, Dirty 30 to Miss Gaucho. Dirty 30. Getting old. She's still young enough. I can say her age, and it's not a big deal. Yeah. If you and I are doing this podcast limit, yeah. in like 16 years, I probably won't announce that she's like 46. Not that that's old. Right. But Oh, yeah. Once, Young and spry, 30. So, like, once women hit a certain age, they don't want you to say what their age is. And I don't know exactly what the magic number is. I know it's older than 30, but I feel like a little ways after that, you have to just play it safe just in case. I'm going to be honest. I thought it was 29. I think that's kind of where it stops, and people just say they're 29 for 20 years. But Yeah, kind of a funny deal getting to know the Gauchos. My wife and I are basically two months apart. I'm February. She's April. But every kind of like major milestone in our life has been right in the middle. So like I've always been older. So like I was, let's see, I I was 21 when we started dating. She was 20. I was... 24 when we got engaged she was 23 I was 25 when we got married she was 24 I was 29 when our daughter was born she was 28 and so anyway it's we're not far apart at all in age and yet those major milestones in life were a different number somehow so it's kind of funny how that has worked out to this point it's like Jacob and Esau man somebody's gotta be first yeah something like that I don't know how many people are going to catch that one, but I'm glad you did. Uh, Steven, Steven says it's it's 40. Ryan says over 35, so you're safe. See, on this is where times. I'm saying there's a gray area, and you don't know for sure, and so you got to just play it safe. Well, 
the good news is it'll be you in trouble and not uh, the pair of us. So, very true. Uh, let's start with Tyree Wilson. He goes to. I'm seeing pics of this Cowboys draft pick. This is a large man. Uh, he goes to the Las Vegas Raiders. So Raiders to Raiders. We talked about him being a top ten pick last Sunday. He goes seventh overall. Um, as the week went on, it didn't feel like he was going to be one of those top five picks, especially this afternoon. Um, I really thought the Lions were going to take him. They didn't. I did not think the Raiders were going to take him. They did. Um, I like that pick. I like that division. I watch a lot of it already. I think he fits in Vegas. I think Vegas is a really fun place for Texas Tech fans to go watch a former Red Raider. He gets to play Patrick Mahomes twice on the opposite side of the field. So I, I think there's a lot of good there. And you'll probably see a lot of Red Raiders in Vegas when the Chiefs come to town. Yeah, I agree. I think it was one of the destinations that I thought was somewhat likely just based on where they were drafting, but certainly thought that, you know, I think we both picked that he would go before five and a half. And so barring the Raiders trading up, I think we were both expecting a slightly different destination. But there's a lot of upside, and the first, as you alluded to, is the division he's playing in. Last year, when Derek Carr was the Raiders quarterback, I think there was a pretty widespread consensus that Derek Carr was probably the greatest quarterback of all time to be the worst quarterback in his division after the Russell Wilson trade to Denver, because he's there with Herbert and Mahomes. And so, in that division, like if you want any chance of winning, you need guys that can rush the passer and or like lockdown corners. And so he fits one of the only two positions really that's going to make a dent in that division title race and therefore the playoff race. Do I love that his primary job twice a year is going to be chasing after Patrick Mahomes? No. In fact, I hate it. But he is in a spot where he can have a huge impact on those games. And like I said, if anybody is going to stop Russell Wilson, if the Broncos can figure out their offense, if anybody it, – it, if anybody wants to stop Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, you need an elite pass rusher to do it. So in that sense, he can create a pretty good profile for himself if he lives up to the hype. Yeah, and him being in Vegas, uh, I mean, that's a, a national brand, and they get coverage even when they're not good. I thought they finished the year really strong last year, so I don't think they're a bad team. Um, I think all, good, all good landing better. spot. I think all year they were better than their record show. I mean, they kept losing yep. really close games. Now they made a quarterback switch. They're moving off of Derek Carr, going to Jimmy Garoppolo. To me, I think that's you know about an even trade-off. Maybe Garoppolo's a better fit, uh, but talent-wise, I think it's pretty comparable. So yeah, you know that that was something we talked about was the the downside of being a top five type prospect is you're probably going to some garbage team. And the Raiders certainly have room for improvement, but I don't feel like they're just some dumpster fire poverty franchise like some other teams that were picking near them. And so barring, you know, a playoff team trading up to go get him in the top 10, I think this is like about as good of a current situation as he can step into given that he was projected to be drafted so high. Uh, the Big 12 had four picks in the top 16. The Big 10 had four in the SEC at eight. Alabama had two in the top three. Um, the Pac-12 had zero. 
Uh, the ACC had zero. Um, did you like, let's see, we talked about Will McDonald. Did you like him to the Jets? One more note on Tyree Wilson Okay. before we go around the horn in the Big 12. I think part of why you were really wanting to see him go to Detroit was that you could pair him with another young elite pass rusher in um, Hutchinson. Uh-huh. Kind of a different version of that in Vegas. Yeah, still with white. Max With Max Crosby. He's, I guess, going into year five. And so yeah. he's 25 years old. Back in 2019, he was runner-up for Defensive Rookie of the Year. He's made back-to-back Pro Bowls the last two seasons. Now, he's a different body type. I think he's a smaller, quicker guy. He's listed at 255, and Tyree Wilson's obviously more in the 275 range. But putting those two guys opposite each other, I don't know exactly. I'm not going to pretend like I know the Raiders' scheme. But I feel like Crosby on one end of the line, Wilson on the other, is going to make for a really tough tandem. It's going to be hard to double-team either one of them with the attention that they should both command. And so I think they should pair well with one another, and hopefully that sets up Tyree for good success there. And I still think you could put Tyree inside, beside Crosby, in some passing situations and twist him. Um, I, I think he is very versatile. And I think that's part of the reason he went in the top 10, obviously. Um, one other note, first seventh overall pick since Donnie Anderson in 1965. The Golden Palomino. Did you yep. notice we both tweeted that at the exact same time? And then I deleted I did mine because yours was better. I, yeah, I missed that. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, I, I um, like the Dave Campbell's pick you used. And yeah, I um, I saw as well, which I guess I could have pieced this together myself, but he's the highest drafted defensive player. Which I have a little bit of nitpicking to do on that because EJ Holub played both ways. Yeah. Isn't a punter on defense technically? Or is that Did we have a punter go before seventh overall? Donnie Anderson is a punter. Okay, not he that punted was not for the primary. Yeah, but he punted position. for the Packers. That was not his primary position. Yeah, but he punted. He's a punter. He was not drafted as a punter, Rob. He was drafted as a back slash punter. No. They knew he was going to punt when he got there. No. Even if that were true, which it's not. That that is true. That would be a special teams player, not a defensive player. Uh, Yeah. I think kickers are offensive and punters are defensive. They're special teams. Punish anyway, people too, man. Interesting tidbit there that he becomes the highest drafted defensive player in Texas Tech history. And yeah, the highest drafted at any position in 58 years. What was Walter Schlinkman? When? What? What did he play? Um, that's a good. I think he was a running back or a receiver. Because he was in 1945 in the top 10. It's funny going back that far. I've been perusing through some old programs the positions that guys play aren't very clear like they'll have a player description they'll be like he's a stud on the line and you're like the offensive line the (laughs) defensive line or they'll be like he's one of the fastest ends in the conference and back then you're thinking like is he a tight end a split end a defensive end yeah what does that mean and so it's almost hard to tell now that's more like 1930s that i'm talking about but it's almost like, I don't know what position this guy played. Or they'll be like, oh, he's one of the best backs in Texas. 
Schlenkman, eleventh uh, overall pick in the nineteen forty five draft at fullback for the Packers. Fullback. Yeah. Lots of B's and T's early tackles and backs. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's cool, and you know EJ Hall drafted in the NFL in the second round at linebacker. Obviously, he went in the AFL draft earlier, so he took that uh, took that job instead. But pretty impressive, and I think this is the first of many top three round picks that the the Texas Tech's going to have in the next five years. I totally agree. I think you'll live in the second to fifth round going forward. I I would be surprised if you're not consistently getting multiple guys drafted every year. Not not Alabama or Ohio State, but I think you'll have two or three draft picks in that second to fifth round range fairly consistently moving forward. All right, ready for a couple of notes here? Yes. 1981, Ted Watts, defensive back to the Raiders. Uh, 21st overall. Give me your the best Chris Raiders. Berman, the Raiders. I just did it when you said that. The Raiders. That's your best Chris Berman? Hey, man. Uh, I didn't practice. I wasn't prepared. What's your best? Yikes. Oh, well, my my daughter's sleeping like right across the hall. Uh-huh. Okay. The Raiders. <laughs> she gonna start crying. Uh, Gabe Rivera, 21st overall to the Steelers. And those are your first round picks until Michael Crabtree. So a couple of twenty first overalls. Yeah, there was some Jordan Brooks erasure on the timeline today yeah, as what well. Was up with that? Not from Texas Tech fans, but people trying to cover Texas Tech, and I guess they were trying to make it out to be that we have so few first round picks. Though they're like, this is only the second one since twenty ten. Which 2010 is convenient because 2009 Crabtree goes top 10. Right. I was like, we have three first rounders at defensive end, linebacker, and quarterback in the last, what is this, six drafts now, seven drafts? So, miss me with that. This is also uh, Tim DeRuiter's third top 10 pick. Von Miller and Kayvon Thibodeau. And uh, Tyree Wilson, yep. So, that's pretty awesome. Eight. If you Steve Linton next. If you're a defensive end and you want to go top 10, you know where to go. Well, my, let's say Miles Cole next and Steve Linton stays for two years. I'm, I'm down. Yeah. Then you have three in a row. Miles Cole's going to have the measurables. Yeah, and you, you look at it and say, why, you know, why is Tyree Wilson moving up the boards? Well, he had record-breaking measurables. Did you see the note that he had a uh, – his wingspan is as tall as Shaq and bigger than Andre the Giants. He's one inch, wingspan is one inch taller than Shaq. And I think he was just shorter than Andre the Giant. Unreal. Well, you want to know what's even crazier? I do. Miles Cole's wingspan oh, yeah. is bigger than Tyree Wilson's. Yeah, that's what I was about so to say. If he gets 12 sacks this year, which is a high bar to clear, but if he does it, he's going to have the production, the film, the measurables. I don't know why he wouldn't be – I don't know if he's going to go top seven or top ten, but 
think he'd be a early round draft pick. I don't know why he wouldn't be if yeah. he if he does that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, rest of the Big Twelve. Will McDonald. Thoughts on him going to the Jets? So, I I've got to confess to this. I don't follow, like I think I mentioned last episode. I don't follow NFL free agency that closely. So obviously, I know Brees Hall went to the Jets last year. I think with the thirty second pick, but as a second rounder because somebody lost their first round pick, and so on. Just like a very minor technicality. He was not drafted in the first round, and so that streak of Cyclones not being drafted in the first round since 1973 stayed intact. So when Will McDonald's name gets called by the Jets, I was like, man, they just need to trade for Alan Lazard and just like make it a reunion out there. Hakeem Butler. And I Google Alan Lazard to get a picture of him oh. and realize he's playing on the Jets now. I was he like, is already okay. there, yeah. Like, they're they're one step ahead of me. <laughs> um, so I, as, a, as a Texas Tech fan that, you know, I don't get to watch a ton of the Vikings because they're – usually not in the NFL TV footprint for Texas. Um, you know, getting to adopt the Chiefs with, with Mahomes there has been a lot of fun. And so I'm excited for Iowa State fans that they can kind of coalesce around the Jets and pull for a lot of guys that they watched in their college years now altogether. And on a Jets team that hopefully is a lot more competitive with Aaron Rodgers than they used to be. I can't imagine being a Jets fan for – the vast majority of their history has been very much fun. But with those three guys, plus Aaron Rodgers there, hopefully that's a competitive squad and uh, they have a good time rooting for him. I, I got to say, I was I thought McDonald was going to be like a 25 through 32 type pick if he went in the first round. Was not expecting top 15, but that's awesome for him. I think it, you know, with other pass rushers available there, I think it speaks to how highly the Jets thought of him. And if they, if they hit that eval, then it'll be a really good pick for him. A couple of picks before Will McDonald was Bijan Robinson. Uh, couldn't think of a better player to go to the Falcons. Feel bad for him in a way. I mean, he's uh, he's a legit running back, and I don't think running backs should go around one as a general rule. The caveat to that is if your team is just stacked and you have the luxury of not really needing to fill a position there, so you go running back. The Falcons are far from that, and so uh, I don't know. In a way, I think that kind of limits his upside. It's not like they have a potent passing offense that opposing defenses need to respect. So th now they do have some playmakers. I mean, they drafted Drake London, I think, in the first round last year, Kyle Pitts. And so maybe they're starting to get something going on offense. I, I think he'll still be a, a really good player, but I think he certainly could have landed in a – in a much better position in terms of hitting the ground running right away and being productive immediately. Cause I, I feel like right now teams can just load the box against them and yeah, they do run the ball a ton. So he's going to have some opportunities. I just don't know how fruitful they'll be. And then um, Quentin Johnson, the fourth big 12 player off the board. Yeah. I <laughs> He went to the chargers. Um, their receivers are getting old. They needed some a breath of fresh air there. I think it's a good pick for them. Um, I think he can be a quality NFL wide receiver. But the Chargers right now, um, I just don't have a lot of faith in them as a franchise. So, uh, hey, fine pick, fine fit. Uh, hope, you know, wish him the best of success there, but. 
I, I just, I mean, Justin Herbert can throw it deep, and he is a pretty good deep threat, so seems to be a good fit. I think so. I think he pairs really well with what Justin Herbert does well. And like you said, Keenan Allen, pretty old, always hurt. If he's healthy at the same time as Mike Williams and Quentin Johnson, that's an embarrassment of riches in the wide receiver room. Um, I don't know how long they'll be able to keep all three of them together in terms of age and contracts and all that, but you know Justin Herbert was happy with that pick, and that gives him a ton of opportunities for mismatches. And I mean, you're just absolutely screwed if you try to double-team one of them and then leave a guy like Quentin Johnson or Mike Williams on an island. So, I, again, I don't follow NFL free agency a ton. I don't know what other roster needs they have. I'm sure they have bigger needs in wide receiver, but just from Quentin Johnson's perspective or TCU fans, I think it is an intriguing pick. I think he should be really productive in that offense. And kind of the same deal as Iowa State fans rooting for the Jets. You know, TCU's best NFL player, LaDainian Tomlinson, spent the vast majority of his career with the Chargers. And so I don't know if there's any Frog fans that are holdovers um, from that era. That was a while ago, but maybe that's a, a good fit for TCU fans as well. Yeah. I didn't make that connection. Um, obviously, you're a big fan of LaDainian Tomlinson. Uh, since we've been talking, Antoine Harrison picked from Oklahoma offensive tackle to the Jaguars. Uh, but let's move on. I don't know that we need to talk about him at all. Uh, Jordan Addison, wide receiver from Pitt and USC, goes to your Minnesota Vikings. Uh, react to that pick with uh, all the elation you had uh, in the group chat. Like I said, um, I guess last episode, there were some murmurs that the Vikings might be looking to get a quarterback of the future. And so I see Will Levis dropping and dropping. And I think, you know, maybe they're going to pick him. I don't know. They have they have other more immediate needs. You know, Kirk Cousins is up there, but he's not like about to retire or anything. So they don't need a quarterback this year. Maybe they think they can get a guy in the second or third or something. But that ESPN – I didn't know they had analytics on probability of how long a guy would be available, but apparently they do. And poor Will Levis, they're flashing that on the screen after every pick. They're like, we only thought there was a 0.8% chance that he'd be here at 21. And right. now it's 0.2. Now it's 0.1. And so he's I, he's this year's Aaron Rodgers or just green room guy that's there way longer than anybody thought he'd be. Tell you what, there's never just a 0.1% chance of, Rob, and that's me missing out on the opportunity to go get some Rahino barbecue. Uh, you got to partake this week, did you not? Sorry, the Eagles just made another pick. Uh, no, I was on the air, and they were sold out before I even got over there. Oh, wow. The I epitome know. of brutality. I drove over there. They were packing up. That's a bummer, but that's a good lesson for our listeners to learn. They do sell out early. I think we somebody was texting us a picture of the line at like 1045, and yeah. it was already backed up. So you can order ahead at RahinoBBQ.com to ensure that your order is reserved and there when you arrive. Give them a follow on social at RahinoBBQ. So anyway, the Vikings don't pick Will Levis, which I'm fine with. I'll let the tape speak for itself. I did not understand the Levis hype. Now, I could have 
obviously talked myself into it at 23 when he was the favorite to go number two overall a few days ago. Instead, I was thinking they'll go defense. Wasn't really thinking wide receiver, but it, it makes sense in today's NFL. You know, besides the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes, like any good playoff team has multiple wide receiver threats or just an elite tight end that basically doubles as a wide receiver. And so Justin Jefferson, obviously the best receiver in the NFL, but you need more than one guy like that. And so you still have a ton of need on defense, and I hope that they are able to address that. But I don't hate the pick. I think Addison at that number is good value, and to have him across from Jefferson, hopefully for many years to come because they're both young guys, I think can be part of a recipe for success. They just need to, of course, address other things. So I'll give it a B plus. You know, it wasn't like a perfect pick because I don't know if that's your greatest need, but it is certainly a need, and I think he's a really good football player. So I was I'm certainly not disappointed with it. Don't think it was a perfect pick, but when you're drafting 23rd and all that, it's kind of you got to make the best of it. And clearly they weren't willing to maneuver to trade up and go get a particular guy or trade back for more picks. So overall, yeah, I think it was very solid pick is how I would rate it. What do you think? Um, let's see. The Dallas Cowboys went and got Michigan nose tackle defensive lineman Mozzie Smith. I safe pick. Very safe pick. Um, he'll walk in, be a day one starter at a position of need. I, I just, I, I wanted something else. Uh, Micah Parsons texted Dan Quinn earlier in the day and told him he wanted Mozzie. So he, they picked Mozzie, I guess. I don't know how to feel about that, but look. Uh, the the pro comp on on the write up I read was Vita Vea, I like that. Uh, he's six three, three plus, Bills. He's athletic. Uh, he's gonna stop the run, which was a problem. If if you can have him in there, and be better on first and second down. Um, with Dorrance Armstrong at end instead of Micah Parsons and let Micah Parsons play more linebacker and then have Micah Parsons situationally rush the passer, I think your whole defense is better. So it's a good pick. It is a safe, solid pick. I wish they would have done something else. What? I don't know. But I probably am going to be mad at every single Cowboys first-round pick just because there's always somebody else on the board that I think is going to be better, and I have Taco Charlton to TJ Watt flashbacks every time they take somebody around this spot. So, Did you want that Utah tight end that it appears the Cowboys wanted and the Bills swooped in the pick before and got him? Yeah, I think he would have been a good fit on this offense, and I think he's, you know, the Travis Kelsey build, somebody who can go out and make – Make plays after the catch. Um, you kind of had that in Schultz, but Schultz inexplicably just laid down and ran out of bounds most of the time. Um, especially late in games, especially in playoff situations. So he's gone. I, 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 you know, if the Cowboys 
would have drafted Jordan Addison, you know, a couple of picks earlier, if they would have been the Vikings, I would have been ecstatic. Uh, he could be an absolute bust, but I just want the Cowboys reaching for offense at this point because they seem so satisfied with CD and some bum ass that's been there for five years that can't do anything. I, you know, I apologize for that. Noah Brown, Gallup? Noah Brown. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Well, and then Michael Gallup, they, they re-signed him after a, an ACL injury. He wasn't ready till week six or seven. Uh, Tony Pollard, your starting running back is coming off an Achilles burst like four months ago. So I don't know. You just, you don't have much juice on offense right now. The other thing I think about that pick for the Cowboys is they could have traded back yes. five spots oh, and yeah. probably gotten him. And yes. so I always – and who knows, maybe they were trying and nobody was going to be willing to move up five spots and give up a, a third or a fourth or, you know, whatever whatever the price would be to move up five spots at that juncture. And so maybe it, when the clock is winding down, you just take your guy, even if it's a little bit earlier than you wanted him. But I think that's a fair criticism is to say, like, this guy wasn't really mocked in the first round very much. We don't think somebody else would have taken him at 25, 26, 27. So why didn't we just move back to one of the first picks? Um, and maybe one of those teams that didn't get a quarterback in the top 10 wants to trade up and, and go get Levis there or something. Who knows? But I think that's a fair criticism of, of the pick. I, I don't think the guy will be a bust or anything. I don't know much about him. But like you're saying, it fits a need productive guy from did we just get felix to the chiefs yes we did are you serious king felix to the chiefs baby let's go that's awesome let me get a tweet off real quick so uh the eagles pick nolan smith um small edge from georgia linebacker uh kind of a micah parsons-esque player he's a linebacker he'll be a great edge player in the nfl i i think the eagles are going to (laughs) dominate (laughs) <laughs> the NFC East for the next couple of years they did pretty much this year I I just do not think the Cowboys have enough offense this year to to be competitive I know you need a lot more things to to be that and you could go and get Roshan Johnson in the third fourth round and do some other things that can do you know big numbers in the in the later half of this draft you could get that Notre Dame tied into the second round probably and be fine but he's not really a guy who goes out and punches big he's he's just he's kind of a jason witten-esque guy so uh but king felix that is awesome staying in kansas city uh, in the area staying in in missouri kansas area um that is great and the big 12 now is six players in the first round there was a couple of years you had zero or one and four are new big 12 yeah, you had an Oklahoma and a Texas, and then the rest were, were new Big 12. So you had Tyree, Quentin Johnston, Felix, and Will McDonald. Yep. Yes. And we thought Will McDonald would be one of those guys that uh, was going to go around the Chiefs area. But King yeah, Felix, I, I, I think that's would... great. Him and him and Carl Loftus are going to be a great pair and duo, and uh, along with Chris Jones. And uh, did they get rid of Frank Clark? Is Frank Clark still around? I don't know. If both of those guys are there and they get Felix and you DK Uzama, that's oh, that's awesome. Yeah, um, somebody said you nailed the pronunciation of the name the other day there, by the way. Yes. Have you seen the clip it was 
it was the Texas Tech game that got Matt Wells fired. Have you seen the clip of Tim Brando butchering it like oh, four yeah. times? Yes. It's beautiful. So it, and it, it's a tough name. It is. But you're a professional. He's the best player on that team, yeah. basically, him or Deuce Vaughn. Like, you should study that the week before and be able to pronounce it. And quite honestly, he's a great nickname. You could just call him King Felix the whole time. Yeah. Just make up a stupid name and be like, the big man. Yeah. Instead of stumbling through NUDK Uzama yeah. four times. NUDK Uzama. Yeah. NUDK Uzama. Yeah. Dude, let's so freaking, awesome. I love that pick. So awesome. I, I, I thought there was a good shot him or Will McDonald would go to the Chiefs at 32, which was a good fit. It's Big 12 stuff. We're Chiefs fans. We love the Farmageddon schools. Perfect. Let's see if old Mahomes has said anything about it. Anyways, uh, final thoughts on the, the draft before we move on to some, some other things. Expectations well, you, in the second round. You touched on it there at the end. Love that not only the Big 12, but the new Big 12 is showing out. Uh, last year, Sauce Gardner goes, I think, fourth overall rookie of the year. Gets, like I think, top six or seven votes for NFL Defensive Player of the Year. And so you love to see that trajectory because for a long time, and it's still this way but less so, it was like, okay, 26 dudes are from the SEC or the Big Ten, and then there's like a random American or Big 12 or ACC school. But you need some credibility there. And the recruiting rankings out of high school are one thing. The college football playoff, the bowl performances are one thing. But a lot of every collegiate league's perception is going to come back to, are you producing NFL talent? You know, like how many pro bowlers came from each conference? How many first-rounders came from each conference? And so you need – Schools like Kansas State, Iowa State, Texas Tech, Cincinnati, TCU represented in the first round. And they have been, you know, somewhat sporadically. But if you can be there consistently as a as a new Big 12 and schools like BYU, UCF can also turn out first rounders and you live in that four to six every year neighborhood, I think that bestows a ton of credibility onto the conference moving forward and hopefully combats the narrative that after Texas and OU leave, there's no elite talent left because I don't think that's the case. Yeah, and you mentioned him, Sauce Gardner, last year, Rookie of the Year, um, coming in with Cincinnati, and you've seen some Houston guys show out at the NFL level. So, yeah, really good, really exciting uh, future for the Big 12. Uh, and no, let's see, I think there was, I think a Pac-12 school finally got picked. Oregon had a guy, I think. Yeah, he went middle. Uh, like 17th. 17th. Yeah. And then Utah had the tight end. That's it, the two. Four new Big 12 schools. The rest, pretty much the SEC. <laughs> All right. Um, what else you want to talk about? Want to go through the spring game a little bit more? Yeah, we pretty much just reviewed the prop bets last episode. I still haven't gotten to watch it, but I want your thoughts, and I can maybe kind of react to your thoughts and play off of them a little bit. That's a good comment. John Kurt's got to be happy. I yeah. hope he is. I know he's a big Chiefs fan, and that meme that we did every NFL Sunday with Kansas, Kansas State, Texas Tech just got that much yeah. sweeter. Yeah, especially when they play Vegas. Uh, Ryan says, didn't watch the draft live, but just saw Tyree pick Goodell up off the ground and bear hug him. That was awesome. 
That was awesome. Watching the Good Morning Football where he did that to one of the hosts, you kind of thought maybe he's practicing and they kind of talked him into it, and I think they did. It's pretty like awesome. his bit. Yeah. Picking up Goodell. Okay. People are asking you to uh, predict the future now. So we just got this from our dear friend David Collier. He said, so that's six different current Big 12 schools with a first-round pick. That's more than any other conference, right? I That probably sounds right. Oh, I just closed I the draft tracker. Couldn't fact-check that on the fly right quick. Obviously, the SEC has had at least Florida, Georgia, Alabama. Um, the Big Ten had at least Ohio State, Northwestern, Michigan. Maryland, Michigan Illinois. State. Oh, so yeah, they might have six as well. And of course, that also includes Texas and OU, which won't be part of the conference moving forward. But that, again, it, it can't just be one or two schools. You need kind of everybody pulling their weight to have that perception and, and credibility on your side. So even if you're tied for the most different schools that have a first round pick, I think that's a really strong showing. Cause like, it's one thing when Georgia wins the natty and like they have four first rounders, you kind of expect that that doesn't necessarily speak to the depth of the conference unless LSU, Tennessee, Auburn are also getting guys drafted. Yeah. So four different sec schools. Three, four, five. I think the Big Ten had five. So there you go. Speaking of John Kurtz, uh -huh. he tweeted, how many first round picks for the Big 12 tonight? And it's a picture of King Felix holding up six fingers. Nice. All right, uh, the spring game. Uh, I think both quarterbacks looked fine. I think both quarterbacks looked like they were a little bit rushed, not overly comfortable. Uh, I think the offensive line struggled against both defensive line units in the first half. Um, before the game, I noticed the offense was much more into it, excited, um, hyped. And I thought, all right, the offense gonna gonna take some tail here. Uh, that was not the case. And the defense is just kind of uh, an assassin-like workman's energy, and that's very exciting to me because if if they're even kill and can just come out and do their jobs, uh, I think that speaks volumes. Steve Linton was an, an animal. Miles Cole had the tip drill that landed in Baskerville's hands uh, on the second play of the game. It was not like the throw that Tyler Shuck had last year. I know that was some people were asking me that like, Oh, you, you, that's what you didn't want to see. It was a tipped ball. Um, it was a dangerous throw into double coverage to the sideline, but it was a tipped ball. Um, I thought both running backs looked, looked good. Taj Brooks looked really good. Uh, Valdez nearly broke a couple, but didn't. Um, you, you did watch, um, the first season of Ted Lasso. Yes. Yes. So, uh, he's here. He's there. He's everywhere. Roy Kent. 
Roy Kent. You've, you've heard that? You're familiar? Yes. He's here. He's there. He's every effing where. Baskerville. Baskerville. That's the chant. He is going to be everywhere. The dude was so fast and looked to be in command of the defense in the spring game. So I'm very excited about C.J. Baskerville. And he's maybe – he's one of, if not the most important individual player on the defense perhaps – because of how unique and diverse that position needs to be and how well Muddy Waters played it. Like, you're looking at a pretty steep drop-off if you go from Muddy down to a guy who can't really play that position. And, you know, it's not a true DB spot. It's not a true linebacker spot. It really is a hybrid. And so you can't just roll anybody down from safety to that spot or something. And so his when we got him in the portal, I thought – his stats, his tape looked promising, but you just never know for sure how it's going to translate to another level or to another system. So that's good that the early returns are there on uh, C.J. Baskerville. How many guys on the defense, like Jalen Hutchings did not play, correct? Nope. Tony Bradford did not play. Isaac Smith did not play. And um, Joseph Adatere did not play. Rashad Williams did not did not. Or, is it him or Dunlap who wasn't playing? Uh, Rashad Williams. Okay. Dunlap locked um, Dre McCray up in a basket and shoved the key in his mouth. So anyway, all all that to say, you're you're not getting a full picture of what. Oh, and Jacob Rodriguez was out on the defensive side. One of your few pieces at inside linebacker that has returning experience at that position. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, all that to say, it wasn't necessarily your full too deep available. Um, and I think Joey said something that most of those guys who sat out, if this was a big 12 game, they would play like they would be marked as questionable game time decision, but he was like, we're not going to put him out there for a scrimmage in April. But if this was a Saturday in October, they'd be out there. So, you know, you take some of the results with a grain of salt, just with that. Um, so with that many bodies on the defensive line missing, were you, disappointed at the lack of push from the offensive line in the run game on the opposite side of the ball. Say that one more time. With as many guys as we're missing on the, from the defensive front, were you disappointed in the lack of push from the offensive line in the run game on the opposite side of the ball? Um, no, I mean, you ran for 130 yards in the first half uh, and through the, 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 what is it? The, the red zone period. So I thought you ran the ball fairly well. A couple of those were Tyler Shuck keeping it and kind of felt unfair because they weren't keying on him because he's a quarterback and has a red jersey on. Um, but I thought you ran the ball well. Now I will say I thought – Inside, you looked pretty good. Um, I still think there's a ways to go with these tackles. I know you've moved Caleb Rogers to right tackle now. Uh, look, I like Caleb Rogers. I do. Um, I do not think he is a Big 12 champion right tackle. And if that's what you're aspiring to be, he he's just not... He's not the guy. I'm a little bit surprised given the 
apparent momentum for Ty Buchanan at the end of last season, I'm surprised that he hasn't supplanted one of the two tackle spots in the spring. And we're still a long ways from Wyoming. We're a long ways from Big 12 play. He could still factor in. But I was I was half expecting Caleb Rogers to either be rolled inside yeah. or to maybe just straight up lose his position to Ty Buchanan. Hey, Caleb Rogers has been a captain for two different coaches. He has started games every year since he was a freshman. Um, a lot of that was needs-based. But he's given a lot to Texas Tech, and I think he'll get an opportunity to be the starting right tackle for this team. I just... Steve Linton is a badass, and he beat Caleb Rogers several times. Um, I think he's going to beat a lot of right tackles this year in the Big 12. So, I mean, they gave up four sacks, I think, that first offensive line. Maybe Shuck got sacked three times. It was two and, and one maybe from, the, from Cole and, and Linton, but... Just, uh, I, I was, I was more impressed with the defensive line and they didn't have two key rotation pieces on the outside and they didn't have their two starting defensive tackles, uh, but excited for Baskerville and another name for you on the defensive line is Blake Burris. I think he'll be in the, the rotation. He's six, five, three, 10, uh, maybe bigger and had active hands, which I really liked up and into the body. Yeah, just to put a bow on the Caleb Rogers discussion, I think he's also a little bit a victim of expectations. I mean, he, he was a Big 12 Media Days guy last yeah. year. The captain, yeah. And that's not always your three or four best players, but it's also not three or four, you know, walk-on deep snappers. And so when your starting left, ta starting left tackle gets invited to Big 12 Media Days, you expect – and he got, he got better as the season went along – for sure. Uh, but like I said, there just seemed to be a decent amount of noise about Ty Buchanan. Yeah. Um, working into, into the rotation toward the last few games of last season. So that's why I just thought it was trending in the direction of, okay, maybe Mills and Buchanan will be the tackles for spring ball and you know, starting off in 2023. And maybe they work Caleb Rogers on the interior somewhere. So I don't know. I, I guess that's another position battle to maybe continue to follow in fall practice. I don't think that every single spot on the two deep is determined yet. And so it's not to say that there couldn't be more movement there. Um, and he's a guy with experience. And I think at a position like offensive line, that is valuable. You know, he's a guy that's been a, a two-year starter, and it's hard to replace that many snaps and games and starts. So... Anyway, yeah, that's just another another position that we'll, I think, continue to watch in the fall. Leaving the spring. I think Taj Brooks is in Sharpie as the starting running back. I think Duran Bradley and Miles Price are in Sharpie as two of the first receivers on the field. I think Baylor Cup is in, in Sharpie as the first tight end on the field. I think your guards and center, Spencer, Stats, and Wilburn, are in Sharpie. I don't think either tackle is. 
I think there's going to be a lot of conversations about the other three wide receiver pieces as well. Uh, I think Nehemiah Martinez, Loic Fungi, Dre McCray will all be in the mix. There's there's another portal window. Yeah. I, I don't think you'll be terribly active. A lot of your spots are accounted for, and you sort of saw that with some movement after the spring scrimmage. A lot of guys decided to look elsewhere for more playing time, and we wish them luck in that endeavor. But if there's one or two positions of need where they go, you know, we're looking for a guy who can compete as a starter at middle linebacker or left tackle. Maybe you address that in the portal. I think at this juncture, you don't want to count on it and you want to feel like you can move forward with the guys you have now, but there could still be, again, I don't expect a lot, but you could add maybe two guys in the portal potentially that you think will be competing for starting spots come August. Yeah, so Joey mentioned 18 guys in this upcoming high school class. Um, I do not know if he knew these other guys were leaving at the time he said that. Um, But I would assume you've either moved to 22 high school players or you're going to go get four transfer portal guys either now or at the beginning of the year. If you got one, let's say you get one in the next window, I think it'll be an offensive lineman. I think you you probably need one offensive lineman in a rotation. I really like, uh, so I gave you the starters. I think there are uh, offensively, defensively. I think your entire secondary, uh, if they're healthy, is set in stone. That's Dunlap, Williams, Baskerville, Rabbit, and Owens. Defensive line, Hutchings and Bradford, Cole and Linton. I think that four will be the starting four with Isaac Smith and heavy rotation and a data ray and heavy rotation. Um, and then Josiah Pierre, I think, will be the starting middle linebacker with Jacob Rodriguez. I think I think that's your starting defense. We think not to open Pandora's box here, but we think Tyler Shuck will be the starter. He's the favorite. Yeah, I didn't mention that. I don't think you have a position battle there, but you also didn't mention his name in Sharpie. What plus odds would you need on Morton to throw 20 bucks or 100 bucks at it? I think it's a lot closer than the coaches want to say it is. I think if I, if I, if I gave you plus 300 today. How do you feel about that number, that Morton is the starter against Wyoming? I wouldn't take that. Against, uh, if if you gave me plus 300 in the Big 12 opener, I would be much more apt to do that. Sure. Not that Shuck will get benched or whatever else, but hey, we're going to play both guys against Wyoming. All right, Shuck will be the first one, but if you're going to have guys get opportunities... Um, I think this is a quarterback competition. And if it was, Tyler Shuck was not as good as Baron Morton in the spring game. But they both threw interceptions. And I don't think either of them had to check plays at the line of scrimmage, which is allegedly where Tyler Shuck is so far ahead of Baron Morton. Yeah, I, I don't think it's likely I'm not trying to serve the pot but Baron Morton is also 
an extremely talented backup quarterback who I don't think – I wouldn't guess in between his ears he's going into thinking, yeah, I'll, I'll be the backup this season. I think he's probably working all spring, all summer to try to at least make the coaches think long and hard about it. And the spring game is the only practice we saw. Maybe 90% of the other reps in the 14 other practices, Shuck is just markedly better. Who knows? But I, I'm not willing to totally close the book on that. Even though I don't think it's a true coin flip, I don't think it's a true position battle. I also, like you're saying, I don't think Shuck's name is in Sharpie quite yet either. I, and think I, and it's I think that's in... a good thing. I think you want both guys pushing each other. I think they have different strengths and weaknesses, and that allows Zach Kelly to maybe lean and say, okay, the offense might look one way with Shuck, and we'd have another version of it with Morton and – you know, maybe that plays into it as well. So I think any any competition at any position is good for the entire team. I think uh, maybe a raceable pen. Certainly a level of permanence, but it's not pencil. It's not Sharpie. It's not quite, you know, papermate flare felt tip. But uh, it's not quite... It's not quite just in there willy-nilly. Or you want to hit the... Uh... You know what? You know what I was thinking? I was just watching another video of Tyree Wilson uh, getting squeezed, squeezing uh, Goodell. You think Goodell hurt his back or something? He might have somebody to call on a on that? First off, I think that's something Goodell would do. It just seems like... Um... This would be actually one of the rare cases where I would say don't call Barnett, Howard, and Williams because I don't think Barnett, Howard, and Williams would want to prosecute Tyree Wilson, you know, one no. of their own. But in all other instances, if you do need somebody in your corner, call our friends over at Barnett, Howard, and Williams, bhwlawfirm.com, Fort Worth's finest, but they handle cases all across the state of Texas. Three double Texas Tech grads, they do – Family law, criminal defense, catastrophic injury. One of the only law firms in Texas that's certified for Title IX student litigation. They hope you never need them, but they're here for you if you do. Should a six foot six, two hundred seventy five pound man uh, pick you up, squeeze your back, and lift you four or five feet into the air? That would certainly be a catastrophic injury for me. Yes. All right, let's get to the Diversified Lenders mailbag. Diversified Lenders double-owned by two Red Raiders, two generations of Red Raiders at that. If you need to turn your accounts receivable into cash, you can go to diversifiedlenders.com and find out more. Uh, I'm going to change the wording on a couple of these questions. First one, uh, if somebody got a Gambling Gauchos tattoo, could they have a lifetime membership to the Patreon? Yes. Yeah, I think so. I think if somebody wanted to get a Gambling Gauchos tattoo, uh, we would grant lifetime access to the Discord for sure. I'm not encouraging anybody to do that, but if that were done, I think that would warrant a lifetime subscription. I'm encouraging people to do that. <laughs> uh, Wikipedia has pages on the current football rivalries with Texas, TCU, Baylor, and Houston. Not including Texas, which are you most apathetic towards? 
you want to know what's really interesting about that question, Rob? What? I was brushing up on some history, and I was on the, I don't remember if it was Texas Tech or Texas A&M Wikipedia page, and it was listed as a former rivalry, which I thought was curious because it has not been listed that way for years and years, even after A&M left for the SEC. So I go to A&M's page, and somebody has stricken all of their Big 12 rivalries. Somebody who's editing the A&M Wikipedia page is playing that card of like, oh, no, Tech, Baylor, that's not a rivalry. You know, our rival is LSU and all that crap. So anyway, just the timing of that question, because I discovered this maybe within the last couple weeks, and I can't just – I just can't imagine the sad soul – who 11 years after departing for the SEC is like, I'm going to go back and edit the Wikipedia page just so nobody thinks that we're rivals with Texas Tech. I think it's weird when any fan base, and an Oklahoma State fan did this to me on the AI rivalries, when you're trying that hard to prove that something isn't a rivalry, yeah, it's just weirdo behavior. And, and sure. I don't get why some fan bases get upset by that term. Like if a Houston fan told me that they're excited for the Texas Tech-Houston rivalry. I'd be like, yeah, like West Texas versus East Texas, city versus rural, old Southwest Conference, in-state. Like, yeah, let's – like, is it a rivalry like Michigan-Ohio State? No, but it's an in-conference, in-state rivalry, you know? Yeah, I think people put too much stock in the word. I I do too. And, like, so the Oklahoma State deal, like, okay, we're not in the same state, but we've played each other – 50 times we're in the same conference we're in the same region we're roughly equidistant from dfw which is probably where we pull most of our students and our student athletes from like it's okay to just acknowledge that we both want to beat each other and that it's a rivalry so would you go houston on that or what was the question again (laughs) between tcu baylor and houston who are you most apathetic toward TCU, Baylor, and Houston. Yeah, I would say right now, most apathetic toward Houston. But I think that could build into something. Once they get in the fold here in the Big 12 and you get five or ten years of that under your belt, that could be something legit. But with, with Baylor right now, you've got the Joey stuff. Yeah. The all-time record is neck and neck. I think they're like two games ahead of you. You were ahead of them for the longest time until the Bryles era, basically. And then the TCU stuff with – Sonny Dykes with the cactus thing last year with them going to the playoff. Like, that's a pretty – you haven't beaten them in, I think, four years. So, yeah, I would say both of those carry more weight right now. But I'm not trying to be dismissive and claim that Houston is not a rival. Uh, power rank your beer preference. Good, free, cold. So we'll, I'm not going to power rank. We'll start bench cut. Good beer, free beer, cold beer. I think cold does a lot. I'd rather have a cold, terrible beer that I don't care for, like a Bud Light, than a f- than a free or a good, like a room temperature beer. Like Dos Equis is probably my favorite beer, but if it's room temp, I'd rather have an ice cold Bud Light or something. No free ads. I'm, I'm mentioning a lot of beers here. And then free, interesting Bud Light would go to the first uh, off the mind. Yeah, I've never been a fan of Bud Light. Um, 
And then free doesn't do much for me. I feel like you get what you pay for to some extent. If somebody wants to hand me a, a good free cold beer, great. But would I rather pay four bucks for a cold draft of a beer that I want versus just like a free? Like one time I was drinking beers in the parking lot at uh, the Matadors game with Mr. Root and Jody, and it was like floorboard room temperature Coors Light, and it, it was free. But I can't say it was a very good beer. So I would have rather paid $4 in that moment to have something that was ice cold. So you're starting cold? Yeah, start cold, bench good, cut free. Very eloquacious tonight. Uh, I think I would start free, bench good, and... uh, cut cold it's because when i think of cold i think of the uh, twin peaks 29 degree man temp or whatever they call it that's just too cold man. it's too much ice it's too cold especially if the bottom falls out because of the mug (laughs) back in the day have i ever told you about the applebee's bartender who used to give me free beer no did he like it so getting to know the gauchos when i was in grad school at tech it was it was night school and so the classes were from like 6 to eight fifty. yeah which is like that pretty much occupies any window of a reasonable dinner time but applebee's starting at nine had like 50 cent wings they had free chips and salsa if you sat at the bar so i'd go to applebee's like three three days a week and you know get 10 wings for five bucks free chips and salsa is like my side and I would get a beer, and like I got to know the bartender really well, and so he just like quit charging me for him. Or like if I got three, he charged me for one. And it's smart on his part because I would just tip what I would have paid for the beer, so the money's going directly into his pocket instead of Applebee's corporate or whatever. That was a good setup though. That Applebee's out at Fourth and Milwaukee. I I lived there. They had my picture on the wall for a little while. For That's what? a true story. For what? For being their number one customer. I wonder if I ever went in there when you were there. Was that circa 2010, 11? Like 15, Oh, you're 16. young. 15. Yeah. Jesus, man. Okay. I proposed to my wife at Applebee's. Did you ever do the Tuesday karaoke down there at the Applebee's on 4th? You're just going to brush right past that? I didn't want to make fun of you for that. Um... No, they shut down karaoke shortly after I started going because it got out of hand. Yeah, it did. <laughs> <laughs> we got rowdy there a couple times. Yeah. Yeah, I like went in there one time and they weren't doing it. And I was like, hey, what happened to, like, isn't this karaoke night? And they were like, no, dude, like, it got so crazy. We just, we can't do that anymore. I was like, okay. Must have been a wild time. That's a pretty sad day for you when they closed that joint down, wasn't it? I think, yeah, although it was pretty close to when I moved. And so part of why I went there was like, it was the only restaurant out there for a while. Yeah. Um, It might still be. I haven't been out that way in a while. Uh, But yeah, they closed down. So that kind of took away my go-to. And then I moved shortly after. So it wasn't as big of a deal. So you were on 4th in Milwaukee. I was a little further in at 4th in Frankfurt. Cujo's. Because I lived at I lived on Dartmouth, back across near Erskine, back there. 
Getting to know the Gauchos. I lived on 7th and just east of Milwaukee. It was a, it was a K Street. I can't remember what it was called, though. Is that true? Maybe on a carrot stick? No, I didn't actually propose to my wife at Applebee's. I, oh. It was part of... So you were baiting me into saying something. Do I need to explain this? I don't... I mean, you can. So the proposal was like a scavenger hunt. And because, especially when I was in grad school, we spent a lot of time at Applebee's, kind of leaning into it, understanding that that's not very romantic. Applebee's was like a comical stop on the scavenger hunt but also like where we went on our first date and all that was also on the scavenger hunt but like especially because it was right by my house which is where the scavenger hunt started where was the uh first date the first date thanks for putting me on the spot rob you brought it up (laughs) the first i guess it kind of depends on what you would count as a first date i thought you said i thought you said it was on the well, scavenger hunt. Well, like we met on campus, so I think that was. Oh, I got you. But I guess probably our first date was like her sorority formal, which was funny because we went to conference. Was it Sadie Hawkins? Yeah. Nice. So anyway, I, I tell everybody that I proposed to my wife at Applebee's, even though that's not the full story. Fair. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna double down on the good free cold. Start bench cut can bottle draft. Kind of depends on the mood I'm in and the beer. So let's um, say it's dose. Generally speaking, I would start a long neck ice cold beer. Never let you down. <laughs> Probably bench draft. It's got to be cold though. That That's my one gripe about draft. Sometimes it's not as cold. And then canned, still really good. Canned is great, like a uh, post lawn mowing beer. Yeah. Or like a pool beer. Game beer. Yeah. So I mean it, it's all good. I'm I'm starting all three, but that's the order in which I'm starting them. Start can bench draft. Cut bottle. Man. I'm a can man. I'm craving a beer now. I got I got some lone stars in the fridge. You want one? I saw some spicy mango ranch waters. I I'm not a ranch water guy. I don't like ranch water. These can ones. I mean, it's not tequila. It's it's like a malt beverage. They taste like truly. Summer like 2019 or 2020, everybody was all about ranch water, and I just couldn't do it. You ever had a? Of course, he's gonna start the schooner. You ever had a real ranch water? Like from a bar? Okay. Yeah. Do you like tequila? No. Start bench cut, uh, Patron, Terramana, and Casamigas. I don't don't know. I'm a tequila guy. I'd start Terramana. Blame it on Patron. Got you in the zone. Bench Casamigas. Blame it on the alcohol. Start bench cut, uh, Jamie Foxx features. Let's see, we got that one. We've got, uh, you got the Marvin Gaye, Luther Vandross. Yeah. With Twista. Yeah. And then, uh, 
obviously gold digger. Did you tell her to drive over in your new whip? Bring some friends she's cool with. Yeah. All right, worst positions to spend a top 10 pick on? Running back. Running back. Can we talk about the Lions? This is off topic. They have, starting at number 12, they have five picks in the next 43. And they go running, not just running back at 12. Yeah. Not like Bijan or Saquon at 12. Some guy that Rob, I I don't know if I'd ever noticed him in a mock draft before. Uh-uh. From Alabama. They could have had him at 16. They could have had him at... Yeah. 30, 40, 45, whatever. Yeah. What are you doing? And you took DeAndre Swift two years ago in the second round. Yeah. And he's not there anymore, I don't think. Makes no sense. If he's there, he's not. He wasn't the lead back. And I don't think they re-signed their lead back this year. He was hurt most of last year. Jamal Williams did fine. But that's my point. Is like You plug in DeAndre Swift, you plug in Jamal Williams, and they're all basically replacement level. So you draft this guy out of Alabama who's, like, in my opinion, nothing special. Again, you could draft Kareem Hunt in the fourth round or go get some free agent that nobody yeah. else wanted to pay. Like You're going to get the same level of production. Yes. Especially if you have a good offensive line. And so draft O-line there. How long do you think you could hang out with that Cowboys fan with all the sirens on his head before you'd want to kill him? Five minutes. <laughs> Three seconds. Yeah. It would take one siren blow and I would walk away. Kyle, let's say you go to a concert. Let's say it's at a nice amphitheater. Where are you standing? Slash sitting. Oh. Let's say you got some, maybe some seating. You've got a front row section and you've got the grassy knoll in the back. What, what, start bench cut. The grassy knoll, huh? Yeah, hill, whatever. I would like to be kind of like centered, but back a ways. So in the seats or all the way back in the grassy knoll? Grassy knoll. I'm not in the mosh pit. Oh, yeah. I'm not fighting for stage time. I don't need an up-close and personal view, but I want to be straight on. So far enough back that I'm not in the fray, but straight on view. Have you been in the amphitheater uh, at the fairgrounds? Uh, Like the Lone Star Amphitheater? Oh, it's been the Lone Star. It was the Dose. It's been a thousand different things. Yeah, I went and saw the Toadies. Oh, no, no, no. The Texas State Fairgrounds. Not the Lone Star Amphitheater. Oh, no, 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 no. In Dallas. No. I was talking about Lubbock. Yeah, that's a good one, too. But the setup is like that. I, I just, we went and watched um, Mumford and Sons. Nice. And I was a grassy knoll guy. But I've been to a bunch of concerts. I, I would never stand up front near the speakers. That's just not my thing. And people like pushing up on you and stuff. That's not me. Are you a big Mumford guy? I was in 2012 or whenever we went. What's your favorite Mumford song? Um, oh, man. Lionheart. Little Lionheart, probably. Little Lion Man? Yeah. Uh, it's been a while. Lion Man, yeah. That was like their first one. Hi, little Lion Man. That one? Is that what it is? Yeah, I could yeah, do yeah, a yeah. good Mumford impersonation. I. It's been a long time since I've listened to Mumford and Sons. I like Roll Away Your Stone. Do you like that one? Yeah, I remember that one. I'd, I would honestly have to look up uh, more Mumford and Sons. The Wolf. Babel. Babel. One of my favorite. Babel? They, they say Babel because they're oh, British. Okay. Uh, my favorite thing about the Mumford and Sons show 
Very similar to the Old Crow Medicine Show show. Another one of my favorites back in the day. You get to know the gauchos. Uh, they just all share uh, instruments. It's just like, hey, you play the banjo this time. And I'll just pass it around. Old Crow did that too. Went to, to Old Crow in at the fairgrounds. They moved it inside to like the little arena thing. And um, it's like, it's like this guy just office rocker, either meth or something else. And he was just like doing the hoedown right beside us. And we were all just like, what the hell is going on? When we're in Laramie in a few months, we need to find a jukebox and put some Mumford on and go like Irish pub, like have everybody swing in their mug, yeah. sing along to whatever Mumford song. I know they're not yeah. Irish, but it's that kind of vibe for me. Uh, another band like that that just shares instruments is uh, the Avett Brothers, which I was a huge fan of. That's my yeah, favorite like band. Too. Yeah, they're good. Kick drum heart. Love like the movies. No hard feelings. No hard feelings. Ain't no man. They have a lot of good ones. Oh man, they just straight murder in the city. Yeah, shame, shame. Solid. Is the reliance on RPI for the baseball tournament an indication of man handing over their powers to computers? And can I blame AI? I think college basketball was wise four or five years ago whenever they switched to net, which maybe net isn't perfect, but it is better than RPI. And for too long now, college baseball programs have been able to manipulate RPI. Like Dallas Baptist, I feel like, is a poster child for this. They throw their second, third, and fourth best starters on the weekend in the Patriot League or wherever they are. And then they throw their ace against TCU's fifth best pitcher on a Tuesday night. And they win that game and it looks like they beat TCU, which they did. And so there are, they were like RPI top four at one point last season doing that. And it's like, come play a weekend series, week in and week out against Texas, Texas Tech, TCU, Oklahoma State, and try that crap and like see what your RPI is. Yeah. And so I've seen fans, like, not even of Texas Tech, but see that we're ranked 14th in D1 baseball, but we're a three seed in D1 baseball's projections. They're like, hey, what's the deal with this? Then it gets explained to them, well, their RPI is 64 or 62 or whatever it is. So, yeah, I think, like, something is up there. When Texas Tech has lost one weekend series and it was on the road against Texas without their best relief pitcher, and, like, everybody else they've – I'm not talking about like midweek one-offs, but like you beat Oklahoma State, you beat TCU, you beat OU, um, you beat Iowa, you beat Gonzaga. Like those aren't great RPI teams, but I don't know. I feel like maybe the formula needs adjusting or something because we're clearly not the 60-something best team in the country. Now, I don't know if we're 14th best either, but... Somewhere in the middle. Yeah, we're effectively shut out from hosting right now, and I feel like you should still be on like the fringe conversation if if RPI weren't being considered it was like okay if you finish first or second in the Big 12 you should have a somewhat decent argument most years yeah now, if you finish fourth in the Big 12 probably not uh, but it's it almost just doesn't matter what you're you could basically win out and your RPI would still be 32 or something and you're still not really in the host conversation very seriously so yeah I think if baseball could find its version of 
basketball's net rankings and find a way to maybe weight the midweek in the same way that because here's another thing about baseball home and away is not really in my understanding is not a factor in quad one quad two so if you go on the road and beat stanford counts the same as if you beat them in lubbock whereas basketball very specific there's home neutral and away right different net rankings means a different quad one quad two whatever so i don't know i would like to see an adjustment in the formula so that teams can't game the midweek for their benefit and that maybe one or two bad losses doesn't drag you down so much because it's like you lose to new mexico you plummet you beat stanford and palo alto and you move up like two spots and in my opinion like that win is just as good as that loss is bad and so they should be weighted a little more equally in my opinion so i hope they can figure out a new formula because yeah i don't think rpi is is very good agree and i also agree you can blame it on ai and the alcohol who gets away with worst forecasting the most meteorologists armchair quarterbacks or draft analysts yeah i was actually thinking about this i think draft analysts get too much flack because people only remember when they're dead wrong and there's 200 guys drafted every year, and you do it for 20 years, that's 4,000 guys. And they're like, oh, but you said Jimmy Clausen was going to be good back in 2006. Like, yeah, but that's one guy out of 4,000. And usually there's um, – what's what does Nate Silver call that when when polls for political candidates, they start like – if one pollster sees three or four polls go one way, they kind of like – group their poll in with that and so these consensus is form it's like okay Tyree Wilson is no longer top 20 he's top five and so like everybody thinks Tyree Wilson's top five and so they right. all for the most part I think either kind of hit on prospects or miss on prospects together very rarely does one of them go out on a limb and say that a top 10 guy is going to be a bust or that a guy in the fifth round is going to be a hall of famer and so I I actually think they get too much heat for that. Um, I don't think armchair quarterbacks are prevalent enough to get any kind of. Yeah. Yeah. They have zero. That's yeah. Zero credibility. And then meteorologist, I think 10 years ago, I think you had a lot more blame the meteorologist guy, but now literally anybody could do it. Cause they just read computer models. Like there's well, no guesswork anymore. I don't know if that's fair to our friend, Matt Ernst. Oh, he's great. He's great at this job. Yeah, he's great. But yeah, I I do feel for them because it's the same as sports analytics in a way. Like you tell people 60% and what they hear is majority. And so it must be 100%. Right. So you lose a game that you had a 60% chance to win. And people are like, oh, how did this happen? It's like, well, that's barely better than a coin flip. That's how it happened. Like, it's like acting shocked when it winds up being tails two out of five times. So when the weatherman tells you there's a 60% chance of rain and it doesn't, like, okay, yeah, you were, there was a slight expectation that there would be rain, but this was – so, again, I think they take too much heat, just like the NFL draft experts. Uh, will we see someone rock a split Tyree Wilson jersey next year, one half black and silver, one half scarlet? I've got to be honest. I don't know if that would go over very well at – the Raiders home stadium. I don't think their fans are particularly hospitable. And I recognize the irony in saying that as a Texas tech fan, that our fans get that reputation in my opinion, unfairly, 
But like, here's the key difference. I'm always about the evidence. Like, okay, if batteries are being hurled at you, take a picture of one of the batteries. But like, there's videos of Raiders fans not being super pleasant. And so, if you show up with a half Chiefs jersey, I don't know if they'll. No, 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 half Tech. Oh, I thought you were saying like half Mahomes. No, half Tyree, Tyree. Mm. Tyree, Red Raider, Tyree, Raider uniform. Do it, do it one better and get go into thirds and put his high school because his high school was also the Raiders. Yeah, that's what uh, Ryan said next. Uh, Slowpoke, real life. Wow. Yeah. Tough for you. Tough um, I thought you were saying that they didn't like the color red in Compton. No, just I don't think Raiders fans would like any part of an away team's jersey in their stadium. Yeah, okay. Uh, does another Red Raider get drafted? What'd you say? They also don't play in Compton. They're in Las Vegas. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> that was like two moves ago. Yeah. Well, I bought a, I bought a Los Angeles Raiders hat today. It says Las Vegas, but it's the NWA hat. So that's what I was thinking of. Oh, that's awesome. Did you the see little that? Las Vegas, and then it says Raiders in script like this. Did you see the 30 for 30 with Ice Cube talking about the Raiders? Yeah. That was a good really one. Really good one. I haven't seen that in a long time. But, What's your favorite um, 30 for 30? Man. I may not have seen it yet. I haven't seen the whole library. The U is good. The U is really good. I, I don't know if the first season was better or if I'm just nostalgic for it. Cause the first season was the best. When 30 for 30 first came out, it was like, they oh, must my watch. God, this is the coolest thing ever. I think the SMU one, the Pony Excess. Pony Excess was great. Is up there. The one about the OU running back, Dupree, was mm-hmm. a great one. The best that never was. Mm-hmm. Or the greatest that never was. I saw the one about the 86 Mets last summer. Yeah. Really liked that one. We used to do a bit on a previous podcast I had of future... 30 for 30s, and we just would write scripts for 30 for 30s. What if I told you? And then we just go on. We did one for Baker Mayfield. That was actually a, in my opinion, way overused tweet format for a little while. It's like any sports thing happens. People are like, oh, the 30 for 30 on this is going to be crazy. Yeah. I was like, guys, there aren't going to be 50 30 for 30s produced every year. Like, not everything can be a 30 for 30. Yeah. Oh, we were, I mean, we were doing a bit. Yeah, I know you were, but like other people yeah. were, it was like. I wonder if I could find that audio. Uh, how about Todd Marinovich? Have you seen that one? Um, The Packers offensive lineman? No, uh, Raiders quarterback out of USC. No, I don't think I've seen that one. I think it was a 30 for 30. It might have been Marin- just an E60. What was the, what was the Packers offensive lineman bust? Oh, Todd something. I know who you're talking about. Oh, the, the um, Oklahoma linebacker. That one was a good one, too. The Boz. The Boz. Yeah, I need to watch some more 30 for 30s this offseason. I really like those. My podcast is called Brought, the Broughtcast. I'm a little hurt because I thought I was your first podcast partner. I'm <laughs> being honest here. You thought so? Yep. Uh, that's cute. I had like 17 podcasts, Kyle. Oh, wow. So I'm just another podcast host to you? No, man, you're the best. 
I did a, a Texas Rangers podcast called the Ranger Danger. Like Stranger Danger. Yep. I did another one called Agree to Disagree. Some have said that's the best podcast that ever existed, but. Was that a lot of like embracing debate? Yeah. Yeah, mostly. I feel like you and I could do that. And maybe we have a reputation for arguing with each other or something. But I think, honestly, I holster the majority of it. I think you do, too. But if you and I wanted to get on here and, like, do Skip Bayless back and forth with each other, I think this could be a total train wreck of a podcast. Should we do that? Uh, should we do a podcast series in the in the summer? Maybe Patreon embrace only? Debate. Just embrace debate? We do. We pick a 10. We, let's have the Picadors pick 10 subjects, sports subjects. And we pick a side and and argue for twenty minutes. Patreon only. Embrace debate. If the picadors want it, I will totally okay. indulge them. Okay, that'll be fun. I think SoundCloud has deleted our broadcast, though. Well, screw SoundCloud then. We also used to do. We didn't have any ads, so we did um, fake ads. <laughs> and one of them was around when Richie Incognito. He was throwing weights at people and like, did he try to fight his dad or something? <laughs> so we did the Richie Incognito retirement home. Yeah. That podcast was before it's time. <laughs> that guy's on the radio now. It's the, the, the only one of us. Um, the, tomorrow's my last day on the radio. Yeah. Congrats on that. Thank you. I'm excited. Are you like going out with a blaze or anything? They have a party for me scheduled at one o'clock. Right as the show ends. That's when my show starts. Oh. They just never know. That's part of the reason I'm leaving. They just can't figure it out. They don't even know that, when I'm on air, man. That's pretty they're starting I just to assume go. you weren't doing the Rob Bro show if they had no. scheduled it at one. No, I'm why would I give away my last show to I I don't know. You you told me the party's at one and I was like, Okay, well that's like when the Raiderland ends. No, man, that's just, these people don't understand. That's just how man. they roll. Hey, everybody, meet at 1 o'clock. We're going to say goodbye to Rob and wait for an hour while he finishes his actual show. Oh, my God. I mean, it's just, when you think they care about you, man, they don't even know when you're on. Final thoughts? Uh, you asked me if I thought another tech player would get drafted. Oh, yeah, that was the last uh, question in the, the mailbag. I think I think Muddy Waters might. And You know, it would take a, a perfect storm in a sense, but if a team feels like they have a very niche or specific need for a special teams guy, hybrid guy, some third down packages, whatever, and they see his skill set, I think somebody might bite in the late rounds. I think Sir Roderick Thompson is – Maybe equally likely. I don't know how his measurables stack up, but would somebody take him just to have a, a camp running back in the sixth or seventh round? Maybe. I don't know. But, yeah, I think if I had to lean towards somebody being the most likely, I would maybe say Muddy Waters. Not Sir Roderick? I, I think Muddy is more likely than Sir Roderick. I think they're both but I, I do think it's close. Yeah, I think they're late options there, both of them. 
uh, sneaky pick Krishan Merriweather. But I don't think anybody beyond that. I'm really trying to f- trying hard to find some broadcast over here. I can't do it. It's tough, man. I'll have to find some spots for you. Send them over. You can listen to them on your own time. All right. Uh, final thoughts? Uh, it's almost your birthday, right? It is. May 1st. Yep. Monday. You didn't like that I tweeted that as breaking news. Well, when you don't like sign it or anything, people just think I'm tweeting trying to j- drum up business for my birthday. <laughs> Big Hen thinks that it was me who tweeted at him about Ryan Tannehill. That was you. Can he? I was <laughs> serious question. <laughs> He's not going to go play quarterback. Yeah. Also tweeted him a picture of a chicken getting put to sleep today, so. I think we can maybe end it there. (laughs) All right, man. You got to say the magic words, man. One final thought. I'm glad that Iowa State broke their streak from 1973. Coach Beans was giving me a hard time for pulling up old uh, George Amundsen. We used to ball out back in Dickety Six in the old Big Eight Conference. Glad Will McDonald broke the streak for Iowa, for Iowa State and uh, Felix Daniel DK Uzama to the Chiefs. Pretty perfect in terms of the Big 12 going around one and, and Quentin Johnson to the Chargers, also a good fit. So it's my final thought. I think it was a good – I'm just going to embrace the fact that I'm a Big 12 homer from now on and start doing some SEC chants, but B-I-G. So I'll just I'll end it on a high note and say it was a good first round for the Big Twelve. Maybe a go Big Twelve, go Big Twelve, go. But your Big Mark will 12. come up with something. Well, we had the song. He he's been quiet lately. Hey, younger hipper cooler man. Oh great, we didn't freeze the whole day and now we're innovative and. Well, I feel like he might be cooking something up right now, but it's like a. 13 hour brisket so he's he's slow cooking something really good Kyle have I ever shown you my favorite dance move no it's called the pancake it was a party rob trick back in the day when I used to go full party rob mode mm-hmm. I retired that part of me though I kind of snuck through one time when we were hanging out how do you do the pancake what, what's the pancake oh it's like a I'll show you sometime. I'll show okay. you in Laramie. I got to get a couple boot beer, beers in. Oh, dude, Laramie's going to be so fun. I'm very excited. I'm I'm excited for Denver and then Laramie. The combo. And then Oregon. When are we going to when are we going to announce the thing we have cooking? We need to ask them when they want to announce. We have a lot to announce for for several weekends in the fall. Yeah. I think we need to make sure that everything is final before we announce. Yeah, that one I think we should announce, you know, 
Maybe when we start the countdown for reels. Yeah, because like around hundred days. Yeah, we need to tell people to book their plans early. Yeah, a day early. Can I give the people just a little sneak preview? Yeah, sneak it, man. Sneak it. So obviously we'll be in in Lubbock for all the home games. Oregon is the biggest non-conference home game since when, Rob? Oh, man, I mean Arizona State, but this seems way bigger. Yeah, I mean Arizona State wasn't ranked. When's the last time we played a ranked non-con opponent at home? Uh, I mean, in oh, NC Miss, State, NC State, back in Cliff, yeah. like what was that? Oh one, oh two, oh whenever that oh was. three. I think three, that I think. one you could say was comparable. Phillip Rivers, NC State. Um, I don't think it was as big as USC in the 70s. But this is probably on a short list in terms of the last oh, yeah. 50 years. So anyway, we, we have something special for that. It'll be really cool. And we're going to go on some road trips too. And so Laramie, Wyoming, first one out of the gates. If you don't know, that's a pretty unique and historic venue. It's the highest elevation stadium in all of college football, at least at the FBS level. Maybe all of college football, I don't know. Uh, we'll be there. We're taking, I think, a pretty good-sized group with us. I imagine there will be a lot of red and black in Laramie and in Denver the night before. Um... Some of our new Big 12 brethren. I think the only new one that you get to go to is BYU. You're hosting UCF in Houston. So I think a lot of people view Provo as a scenic place, maybe a destination kind of venue, and I think we might view it the same way. Is that fair to say? I, yeah, that's fair to say. I don't know why my mic is falling down today. And then in the state of Texas, you'll have Baylor and Waco. Texas and Austin. I've heard this song. So, anyway. We've discussed some of this in our discord server which to get access to that patreon.com slash gambling gauchos five dollars a month if you want to come along for the ride but i think this fall is going to be a lot of fun agreed anything else to add there rob no i'm good man you said it all coach said it all coach all right love y'all